Okily dokily, let's put on our game faces. Game on! Woo! This is Bronco Nation, a Midwest Communications podcast. Here's your hosts, Jordan Lass and Jim Lawless. Bronco Nation, a day early. Guess what? We're actually going to talk Broncos, and we have a very special guest that we're going to pepper with questions about the Bronco football team and maybe a little soccer as well and see what he wants to remember about the Detroit Lions or, you know. (laughs) Anyway, introducing our very special guest, one-third of the Bronco football play-by-play crew because I'm a third and Robin's the other third. Yeah, and Mac champion, 1988 Bronco football team kicker John Creek is here. Welcome in. Good to be with you guys. Thanks for Talk coming, some Bronco man. football, yeah. Yeah. It's be fun. Good to see you. We got, what, like 10 days until the opener in East Lansing? Yeah, it's getting close. I know uh, I was at practice actually last week and talked to some of the guys and uh, seemed pretty excited about getting back to Spartan Stadium. Again, Broncos have played Michigan State what, probably five or six times in the last 10 years. Um, one of the games, obviously, in Kalamazoo, 2015, was a really exciting time. I know the uh, state went up to Central and played and then came down to Kalamazoo, so that was kind of a cool uh, cool experience for the guys. Um, put on a pretty good show, actually. I believe uh, it was a Darius Phillips, I think, ran wild on some kick returns and punt returns mm-hmm. against the Spartans that day. And uh, then I think they went to Spartan Stadium the next year, and uh, Darius did it again to them, so... Um, look for a good show up at Spartan Stadium on Friday night. Um, I, I was uh, up in Lansing today, and I was at Dark Horse and Marshall last night. Yes, I was throwing shade everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do got to wait a little bit for the first home game of the year. Uh, really worth it, though. We got Pittsburgh coming to town uh, September 17th. But before we kind of get into what I would call maybe a football blitz, uh, I think I've got something that's going to get everybody a little bit fired up. I know uh, every year this kind of, I don't know, gets me going. The uh, college football intro for CBS Sports. But, hey, uh, man, look at that 1990s logo just sticking out of the screen. Baby. <laughs> so, John, we've got questions for you today. I uh, kind of want to start with the quarterback position. We lost... Uh, Starter Caleb Ellaby to the draft. Um, you know, I don't think they have named the definite starter, but is there somebody that, you know, it's most likely going to be at this point? Yeah, it looks like, at least when I was talking to Coach Lesser last week, Jack Salapak, who was kind of Caleb's, Caleb's backup last year, in fact, played the Pittsburgh game. Uh, Caleb was in the locker room, had uh, medical attention going on, and he ended up coming out. Uh, Jack played the first three or four plays of the of the second half. Actually, had, I believe it was four for four. Uh, Caleb came back in. I think the Broncos scored on that opening drive and uh, beat Pittsburgh last year, 44-41. So, um, you know, good to see Jack. Again, he had a whole season to sit behind Caleb, learn, and then held the whole spring and won the job come out of the spring. You're also going to see uh, Marion Urbowski is going to be playing some time and probably a little bit more than last year just because of Jack being a new guy. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of brings another dimension. I saw you change, I just looking at the roster today, he changed his number from 16 to number seven. So I don't know if that's going to make him faster or, uh, <laughs> you know, but he's a big guy, River Rouge quarterback, mm-hmm. um, state finals. I think they won two state championships with him at, at quarterback. So Tim really likes that piece when he, they're championship guys. Um, so you probably see Marion probably. 
maybe 10 up to 15, maybe 20 plays a game, obviously short yardage, uh, you know, wildcat situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually when I watched him, he throws the ball better. I mean, he, he was he was kind of rough coming out of high school, obviously, because he ran the ball mostly there. But it's kind of learning how to throw those different routes and brings another dimension for the Broncos in those third down, fourth down, and those goal line situations. Yeah, I, we did see a lot of him in the uh, the quick lane bowl. And then uh, Jim, Jim and I obviously hosted the uh, spring game, and he was heavily featured there as well. So uh, kind of looking forward to that. Uh, while we're on the subject of quarterbacks, I do have a question for you later because you do have some experience watching the Pittsburgh team, but it's more of an NFL question. Um what kind of difference has having a guy, you already referenced championship quality or caliber, a guy like Jeff Thorne, you bring him in, he's got D3 titles. What kind of impact have you seen from him so far? Yeah, I think he's um, I think he's added a lot to the program. Um, obviously, the experience you've had, Tim and him are really close. Uh, you know, they've been coaching together, and Tim talks about calling those. What happens a lot of times with these coaches on, you know, after the game on Saturday, they'll call different coaches and get some ideas or during the week hey you know we've got this coming up you know this is the defense we're facing calls Jeff Thorne when he was at Elmhurst hey this is what we're trying to do we're trying to get you know Sky more involved more trying to get him out in in space Um, so really I think him and Jeff have been working together for a long time so I think he adds another dimension where especially with a new quarterback so you've got to keep it fairly simple you still want to have some dynamic plays and trying to get guys in space and mix it up on the defense but then keep it simple enough for Jack to go okay, hey, this is what I see, this is my first read, this is my second read. I think the best thing for the Bronco offense right now, they got two guys to hand the ball off to really well, too. So you got you know, you got uh, Sean Tyler and Ladarius Jefferson, the two big horses in the backfield, so that'll help Jack out a little bit. But I think Jeff Thorne, that new offensive coordinator, is going to bring some um, bring some good di- you know, dynamics to that offense and, and get Jack comfortable in what he's doing. Uh, you're talking about weapons. Obviously, you referenced the backfield. Uh, we lost Sky Moore, obviously, to the draft. I mean, really cool seeing him going uh, in the second round. I think he's just a great fit out oh, in Kansas yeah. City. Oh, yeah. Um, what are we seeing kind of from the wide receiver room? Like, is there any guy standing out right now? Maybe a bit of a surprise? Yeah, so you had Corey Crooms last year. So it was funny, last year camp, you know, I just talked to Tim about who's somebody that we don't know about, who's going to be the X factor in, in, in games this year. And he meant Corey Crooms was the first guy he mentioned right away. And Corey came in as a freshman, kind of undersized a little bit that ride receiver spot, and then really got in the weight room with with Grant Guybe G2 as a strength conditioning coach and did a great job there and then was just a force in the Pittsburgh game, actually, is when kind of his coming out party happened. Again, Sky had a great game from the slot, but uh, Corey from the outside, I believe Corey had two touchdown passes against Pittsburgh, or two touchdown receptions against Pittsburgh last year. Um, so Crooms going to be another guy. They got a couple transfers. Um one Boston College transfer and one, I believe, Providence. Yeah, he's from Providence. I'm trying to think who the other guy is. But they got two, two uh, Power Five transfer wide receivers that Tim really likes. Um, you got Kavion Max. Some, some of those probably two or three freshmen that have been kind of waiting behind Sky. Um, you know, Jalen Reed or um, Jalen Moore transferred. Um, obviously, Jaden Reed's going to play against Michigan State. You know, another yeah. another Bronco that we'll see. Um, but I think that wide receiver group will be young. Corey will be the leader, uh, a little bit inexperienced to start with, but uh, I think it will be dynamic as they go through the season and give some Jack some good targets to throw to. What are we seeing from the defense? We did lose quite a bit on that end. Uh, you know, guys like Fayad and Holly, um, you know, 
how is it? What have you seen? Yeah, those are two big ones. I mean, you know, Ali was the defensive player of the year in the Mid American Conference. Ralph could have easily been a defensive player of the year because he caused a lot of things to get Ali some space to get to the quarterback. So those are two huge losses. Again, that defensive line's tough to replace. Those those are dime a dozen type guys. That's why Auburn, Alabama, Clemson, they've got six or seven of those guys, and not very many are going to go around to other schools. So no. Um, but uh, Braden Fisk is a beast. I mean, he just he dominates. Uh, our offensive line does not like seeing 55 out there <laughs> when they go ones versus one. So Fisk is a beast. He was an offensive lineman actually in high school and, and changed the defense. He's got great footwork. Uh, expect a lot of big things out of him. Um, they've got uh, Marshawn Nealon from the edge, good edge rusher. Andre Carter is a good edge rusher. Um, you're going to see this Corey – uh, what's his last name? Corey uh, out of Illinois. Um, Corey Walker. Yes. Yes, number 50. About 6'6", a legit 6'6", about 255, and he's a defensive end and can just run like a deer. Was a tight end in high school, actually. His older brother is a soccer player at Western Michigan. So number 50, Corey Walker is going to be a big big influence. They got a couple other young guys that played last year uh, on that defensive front. And then we go to linebackers. I mean, you got all three guys back. You got Corvin Moment, uh, Zaire Barnes, and Ryan Selig, three returning linebackers. So we got some studs there. I think that'll be Corvin's probably a, one of the one of those draft choice guys. Zaire covers space all over the place, but Corvin's 6'2", 250 at that middle linebacker spot. So I think we'll be pretty good at that uh, at a defense at that front seven. You know, I, I want to talk about the kicking game at some point because you're a kicker. You know? <laughs> you're, right. you're the man. Right. But And, of course, we're, we'll bring up some Bronco soccer in a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, and Nick Mahalik's back. He, he, I think he lives here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Him and Bryce Bowen's been I, here for I, a long I, time. I know. I, I yeah. know it. But I'm looking up and uh, up and down the roster, and, and I'm seeing a lot of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sauce. This is a young team, isn't it? Yeah, they do have a good young group. Um, I know Tim, obviously, last year with uh, kind of an older group, especially on the offensive side, you know, losing three offensive linemen, um, you know, Sky and, and Caleb left, uh, Ralph and and, uh, and Ali. Um, but I think, you know, on that defensive side of the ball, go back to that, I think those defensive backs, it's finally, you know, Coach Lester's, when came on, was, was a – Defensive backs had three or four guys, but wasn't very deep. So once somebody was injured, then you had to flip guys around, move guys from corner to safety, move from field safety to, to wide safety to strong safety. I think now there's four corners and four safeties that are pretty decent players that when you when you mix and match, you're not losing losing too many guys. So Bryson Garner's uh, transfer from Pittsburgh um, got injured in the Pittsburgh game last year, unfortunately, and had to sit out most of last season. So I think Bryson is back for at least his sixth year. Maybe seven. I'm not sure. I, I know he's Whoa. been around for a long time because he was a grad from Pitt, came to, came to Western, played, and then had another year, got hurt, and then he's back again. So um, good to have Bryce in that defensive backfield. Deshaun Bustle is another guy who, tra- who moved from wide receiver to corner, then got hurt. I believe he got hurt the first game of the season last year and, and sat out uh, with a shoulder injury. So Deshaun's back at that corner. Got Darian Jackson. Um, you know, so you got a really dynamic group of safeties. Aaron Wofford was a kid last year that was a true freshman that, that Tim really likes. Um, so I think the defense, which is interesting, the Mid-American Conference, you don't, you don't talk, start with the defensive side of the ball. But I think with Western, with a young quarterback, young offensive line, I think the defense is going to have to play really well in these first couple games. Oh, yeah. We've gone through a lot of horse races over the last few years, obviously. But um, with a bend, don't break. Yeah. 
Yeah, Lou has had his work cut out from him for him, but he's done a great job, I think. Yeah, Lou's done a good job. I mean, he's he took over a couple of years at that defensive coordinator position and kind of more of an attack type guy. You know, let's get after him. You know, Ali led the led the Mid American Conference in in sacks. Um, you got Neeland and and Fisk and Holly. Those guys were really good last year. I think, but the big thing is he lets the linebackers. So he loosens up Zaire and, and Corvin to kind of roam a little bit and see, like, because they're such good athletes, you got to let them do their thing. You know, sometimes sit back and read, you know, you're giving up three or four or five yards, of, you know, a crack, but then you don't get time of possession. You're losing, you're not getting the ball back for the offense. So, you know, I think Lou is more, hey, let's get after it. Let's get some turnovers and nothing bigger than in turnovers in a, in a game. And again, Pittsburgh game, you look back at the Pittsburgh game, that was the difference. I mean, it was the last team who was going to have the ball probably to score. But the Broncos, I believe, had two fumbles and and believe two picks, had four turnovers, and I think all four led to scoring opportunities for the Broncos. So I think the defensive side of the ball with Lou being aggressive, getting after it, is going to be a big thing for the Broncos this year. Didn't we add a few more coaches on top of uh, Jeff? I believe there was a couple on the defense. One of them I thought um, was kind of like a mentor to, uh, who was it, Antoine Winfield, the DB's coach. Um, you know, the defense, it, it, like you said, it's just very young. I mean, what have we seen from guys like Tag Boonema? You know, his brother Boone already on the team. Uh, the, they're both, you know, local guys from Zealand. I mean, how has he kind of fit into uh, the fold? I mean, he's D lineman, 6'4", 230. Yeah, it's kind of neat, the two brothers with great names, right? I mean, yes. you talk about awesome football names, Tag and Boone, you know, yeah. getting after it. So I know Robin has – it's interesting when when Tim does a recruiting class and looking at guys and sends over the list to, to Robin, he always gets excited about names that he can, you know, have fun with. So those, <laughs> those are definitely two of them. But um, one of these new assistant coaches is actually Donald Seliscar. That's who it is. Was That's a corner, yeah, the about. corners coach. So Donald was a phenomenal player with the Broncos um, yeah. you know, back in the mid – it was a 2015-2016 in that era. So um, yep. was a great cover corner. And, again, when you get guys that can cover on the corner man-on-man, that loosens up a lot of guys in the defense. So I can – you know, Lou can – gets five, six, seven guys going after the quarterback, doesn't have to worry about those corners because they can shut them down a little bit. So I think you'll see probably more blitzing this year, especially from the, that linebacker core, because we got the shutdown corners that they haven't had in the past. Um, so, yeah, Seliscar's a new coach. Um, Greg Whalen, the new uh, tight ends coach. Um, Chris Chestnut moved from tight ends – or wide receivers to tight ends, and then he brought in a new director of recruiting. So, yeah, it's kind of a new staff, on, on the, especially on that defensive side of the ball. Now, of course, we get we get deep into the game. We may need a kicker to win it all for us. Who you who you got? So, brand new kid, uh, freshman recruit Palmer Domsky. He's uh, on Illinois. Um, actually, played. I believe he played as a wide receiver, as some type of uh, you know, played a position besides kicker. So he's got a little football mentality on him. So I talked to coach again the other day and watched him kick a little bit. He's the the biggest thing that he noticed is. When he misses, the next one he makes, which in in kicking, it's you know there's a lot of good guys that can handle you know can can kick the ball, but it's the mental side that right. always kind of you know takes somebody off the field. So I think with Palmer, he's got that mentality. Butch Hampton, who Bronco fans remember in the, in the Cotton Bowl 2016 MAC championship team, was that type of kid, freshman, younger kid, but just wise in his years as far as maturity and, and dealing with you know missed kicks or moving on from kicks and and making 
you know, it's the big kicks during the game that you have to. Again, you don't want to miss any of them, but the ones you don't want to miss, you know, fourth quarter up by six, you know, make it a two-score game, 35-yard right hash going in the wind, that type of stuff. You got to have those guys to go out there, have a little bit of chip on their shoulder, a little bit of football mentality for the kickers and, and put them through and get some points on the board. What have you seen from our new athletic director, uh, Dan Bartholomew? How involved is he with the football program? Yeah, he seems like uh, like a little fire liar and a lot of guys. You know, he's he's dynamic with what he's doing. He's got a lot of great ideas. I think he's bringing um, Bronco fans together too, right? At the, the fan fest, you know, that type of thing, bringing more people involved with the program. Um, you know, I, I just think he's got a lot of great ideas. Again, it might take some time to implement everything. Yeah. Um, I think you'll see a different Waldo Stadium. Again, great home opener. So I think he's trying to take advantage of that pack the stadium. Or I'm t- trying to think of the uh, call or the you know the, the hashtag hashtag that he's yeah. got going on. Yeah, with with pack. You know, with Pitt coming in being a ACC champion last year, number I think they're preseason 16 or 15 in the country. Um, so it'd be fun to watch uh, how Dan deals with all that stuff on, on campus this fall. You know, it's going to be nice if, if we have ended up beating a team with a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is a possibility. Now, it's just rumors. We'll talk about that. Uh, let's talk about that now. What the heck? What, what do you think about Kenny Pickett? You saw him, you know. I was here in studio, of course, and uh, – that was a big win. That was, what, 44-41, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It was interesting watching Pickett on the field. He just um, – he's so smooth. It doesn't look like – it's pretty effortless when he does things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, he we held him to five touchdown passes and yeah. beat him, <laughs> beat him <laughs> the game. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, he did have two fumbles. He turned the ball over a couple times, one side inside our own 10-yard line that the, and the Broncos scored on the next play. Um, but yeah, just the big thing that I saw, he throws a deep ball really yeah. well, you know, the, the, the post routes, the out routes that, you know, you could tell the NFL arm, um, you know, it's had a little scramble ability too, and can run around a little bit, but, um, yeah, he's going to, I think he's got a great opportunity playing play in the NFL with the Steelers. I hit on this a lot leading up to the draft and just to kind of mess with Mr. Lawless over here, you referenced the turnovers in the red zone, the fumbles. I don't know if you have the same feeling. It's due to the small hands, and that was the biggest thing with him coming out of college. He had the smallest hands of any any draft prospect, and it just makes me think of that Burger King commercial. Warn these me, tiny hands. Warn me before you do something like that. I was drinking. But, I mean, as somebody that you know is involved with the game as you are, small hands for a quarterback, not a good thing, right? Yeah, it was interesting. The, the two times he fumbled, one, he was actually running, scrambling out of, the, out of the pocket, running forward, and the ball just fell out of his hands. Wasn't wasn't hit at all. Um, didn't look like he was transferring the ball from one hand to the other. And in the other one, I think there was some contact. But, yeah, that was – it's interesting. And he, and he wore gloves on a, you know, September game. So, um but I, you know, I haven't heard anything about it since he's been to Pittsburgh. So I don't know if that just goes away after the draft, and they kind of, you know, that's 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 the scouts looking at things and trying to, you know, obviously got to downgrade. Goals. Yeah, you got to downgrade him on something, right? You can't be that, you know, that, you know, hundred percent guy going in the draft. So what do you find wrong with him? Well, he's got small hands. Okay, well, you know, they, they and I'm sure Pittsburgh knows how to overcome that, right? They put him in situations where he's not handling the ball as much. It's really he's going to hand it off and he's going to throw it. He's not yep. where where the University of Pittsburgh asked him to do a lot more. They asked yeah. him to scramble. I mean, yeah. obviously he got the new rule put into effect. We're taking a knee where he went and faked the knee 
down at the quarterback, stayed up and ran in for the touchdown. Now, you know, because the whole, the, I guess it was a slide, not the knee, more of the yeah. slide, the fake slide yeah. situation. So, again, not going to probably do much of that, if any, with, in the NFL just because you don't want quarterbacks running around with those defenders coming after him. So, no. um, but uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch with the Steelers. I, mean, I think he'll have, I think he'll play. I don't know if he'll start, but I think those guys want to see what he can do at that level. And again, you surround yourself. Mike Tomlin's a phenomenal coach. And a lot of Broncos on that team, yeah. right? So you got Chooks at core four is going to be protecting them. You got Spillane on defense, so you got two Broncos and all kinds of Mid American Conference players on that team. So, oh, for the record, in case uh, you may have forgotten, and it was very heavily advertised back during the draft, six and a half inches, hand size. That's what we're working with. For the record, mine are smaller. <laughs> Just saying. It's probably why you're not a quarterback. Uh, it, well, it was great. For, it was great for me in bowling because no one could use my equipment. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you've noticed this, John. Um, it seems like there's a trend, like this year, and it seems like it kind of started last year. Do you know why a lot of these teams are opening with conference games? It's very odd to me. Yeah, well, obviously there's there's one less non-conference game. So most of them are going to nine conference games or nine conference. So the MAC still does eight. Um, I know Big Ten's nine. I think SEC's nine. I believe all the Power Twelve or Power Fives are all nine now. So you've got th- one less non-conference game to play. Um, then you got to align everything up with the contracts and everything. I think with Western, um, they're looking at you know Michigan State's going to dictate kind of when that game is. Pitt's going to dictate when that game is. So that kind of made that second week of the season open. You would think that would be the FCS game, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously that didn't work out with whatever scheduling they had going on. So, you know, the Broncos have to go to Ball State, you know, right after they play the Sparties. And, and, you know, Michigan State's a big game. Ball State's a huge game. Yeah. I mean, you it's a go trap on the road. Game. Right. Yeah. You go on the road and you, you know, you win that first road game, you set yourself up for because then you come back and you got two non-conference games to kind yeah. of get ready for the conference season. But if you, you know, if you don't win, you're kind of behind the eight ball already. You're 0 and 1 and you got to take two weeks to you know, you got to that marinates for two weeks, and then you yeah. got to go back and Western's it's a, it's one of their tougher Muncie's schedules. Tough to Muncie's a tough place to play. Ball State's always, you know, um Oh God, the coach down there does a great job too. I can't think of his name, but Tim really has a lot of respect for him. Yeah. He's done a new, nice job. My with their, my brother their worked for Ball State, and yeah. I I got a lot of insight yeah. on that program, yeah. and especially what they've done the last. You know, they were you know probably seventeen or eighteen. They were they were just bad. They were one of the worst teams in the West. Now you look at the MAC West, anybody can win it. Yeah, I mean the Broncos were picked fourth in a lot of publications, and you know, but then they were picked first in, in a couple of them. So now you it, know. Is this the year that uh, that we have Toledo, NIU, and Central coming? Yeah, we, the, all three home games. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and that's a killer because it alternates every year. So it's like every other year you feel like we're behind the eight ball because those three teams, and you discount NIU all you want to out there, folks, but they won last year. They did. So yeah. you know you can't you can't cut them short. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the Broncos are kind of looking to be the NIU this year because yeah. they were picked last. In the West last year, mm-hmm. last, and and I think a lot of it was because they had such a young roster. Um, but yeah, they were you know dynamic. Broncos obviously you know beat them into Calp the last game of the season. Um, again, Northern Illinois didn't have a whole lot to play for. They had already the MAC championship was already sewn up. But um, again, DeKalb's a tough place to play. But I think 
you know, you hope that game, that Northern Illinois Toledo back-to-back games, I believe at the end of the season, that's what they're trying to get to. You know, have mm-hmm. that record where those two games mean something. That's the Ford Field MAC championship games on the line, and um, you know, again, I think I think it's a good home schedule. It's kind of a later home schedule with with Central and Northern Illinois uh, at home late, and I believe Toledo is that might be the first. Is that the second game of the? Uh, I actually got the home schedule oh, up here. Schedule right Central there. is not here this year. Actually. Oh, Central oh. is on the road. Okay, you're right. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So uh, so Toledo and Northern are back to back at the end. So Toledo is that uh, Black Friday game right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think it's a noon Friday start. Um, it, and maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Toledo seems like I don't know. I always say like life in the Mac is hard because to sustain any like long term success, we're talking like elongated like Alabama. It's hard because you're up and down and teams are constantly changing. Toledo just seems like one of those teams that's always just a pain in the ass. Yeah, they're tough. I mean, I I always say they have the best athlete, best athlete athletes in the, in the Mac. Yeah, that too. <laughs> best athletes in the Mac. Yeah. It's a podcast. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, you know, they they have. You know, you look at the NFL. I believe Toledo has the most guys playing in the NFL right now. They've got you know running backs, DBs, out of the Mac. offensive line out of the Mac. Yeah, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I mean, they just and again recruiting wise, they got. You know, they recruit the Detroit area really heavily. Obviously, Toledo, they can go in different parts of Ohio to, you know, Fort Wayne. Um, so, yeah, I always think that that's the game that the Broncos, it, that's a 50-50 game, right? It's always a toss-up. And sometimes Toledo's probably a little favored because of the athletes they have. And, again, they got a great quarterback from Detroit. Uh, they do. The, the Quan Finn, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just a phenomenal, you know, kid is going to get better and better as, as, as the season goes along for Toledo. It's the entire Mid-American Conference. Literally, it, it's it's just so, it's a little more even, I, I would think, now than it has been in years. You know, every game's a toss-up, it seems like. Yeah, I think in the MAC West especially. I mean, there's definitely a difference. I think in basketball, it's the MAC East. It's a little bit better than the MAC West. Right, I mean, yeah. Toledo's obviously a good team, but I think, you know, the three Michigan schools um, – Hadn't done as well in the past against you know Kent State's and Ohio's and Akron's and those schools, but football is totally different. I mean, football in the MAC West. I mean, you look at last year. I believe all six MAC West teams were bowl eligible last year, which has never happened before. You know, that's everybody had six wins, and again, you know, the MAC East. I believe Miami was maybe the only bowl eligible. Maybe Ohio also, but um, there's definitely a difference. I mean, it's it's. Um, you know, Ohio's actually fallen down a little bit since they've won a Mac. You know, since the Broncos played them in, in sixteen, and they mm-hmm. won a Mac championship the following year, I believe. So, um, but yeah, every, any Mac West game is, and again with the Ball State game second week of the season, that's going to be a big one. And um, you know, so it, it's 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 tough because you see the same, those same teams every year, so you know what kind of know what you're getting because mm-hmm. those coaches are pretty much besides Northern pretty much been on staff for the last five or so. You know, Tim's going up against the same guys, you know, pretty much all the time, but. Again, um, you know, Central's going to be tough this year. They got, you know, they lost Pimpleton. They lost some of their dynamic guys, but their, uh, you know, their defensive line's good. Offensive line, obviously, lost their two two guys that got drafted. Two Central Michigan offensive line got drafted again this year. So, yeah, um, Ryman, yeah. I believe, was the top one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, there's no. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and like you said, there's no. Even the FCS team, New Hampshire is a good, you know, a good program that they're playing this year. So, well, and that's you know. the dilemma we had a couple of weeks ago. We were kind of going through the schedule and kind of trying to chalk up wins and losses. And like you said, more than half of the games, it was like I could go either way on this. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you look at you look at the first four, 
you know, you look at obviously Michigan State's going to be a tough one up at Spartan Stadium, Ball State. You know, you you would hope you go on the road and get a victory there, but then Pitt comes in, thinking about last year, and then go to fly to San Jose State. Fly to San Jose State last year had 120 yards total offense against Western, 52 to three thumping, and they lost their quarterback early. So you got Pittsburgh. You know, you talk about revenge games yeah. against the Broncos. Yeah, Pitt's coming in thinking. I guarantee you that's they've been that oh, that's been the board material all year long because yeah. they only lost what they were eleven and two is that right eleven and two yeah. twelve and two last year so yeah. you know one of them was to Western Michigan again that's Narduzzi obviously with Michigan ties you know he he don't he don't uh, known Coach Lester for quite a few for years and that's kind of where the game came from he yeah. and Tim knew each other and um, so they're coming in that and then you got to fly up to San Jose long flight. Saturday night game, ten thirty start, I believe, in Kalamazoo. So late game there. So um, they got their they got their work cut out from those they, first four games in September. They really do. Um, and it's funny that you bring that up, like circle the, the wagons a little bit with uh, Pittsburgh and Narduzzi and Kenny Pickett. I I didn't agree with what Pat said recently about hey, if Kenny Pickett would have played in the bowl game, we would have beat Michigan State. And it's like. You don't really need to say that. Just move on. Like, right. Yeah. E- on. Easy to say after the fact, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I, and I think he, he probably wasn't real, didn't really think about maybe when he said he's like, eh, maybe that wasn't the right thing to say or the best thing to say. But, you know, Michigan State with, you know, with Walker at running back and stuff like that. He so didn't play either. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. So it's <laughs> it's like, you know, you had two Heisman Trophy guys not playing, kind of even things out a little bit on, on that side of the ball. So it'll be interesting to see what Pitt does. This year, they also lost their their top wide receiver, yeah, transferred to USC, who uh-huh. was the Blitnikoff Award winner. Yeah. So um, again, that's the NIL situation popped up there. He, had, I think, he had graduated. I think he had graduated from Pitt and uh, decided to go out with Lincoln Riley out to USC. So yeah. um, be some new folks this year. I know we kind of put it to him in the defensive back last year. I mean, you know, with a couple guys fell down on some on some really good moves. I think mm-hmm. Jim Jim and Robin and I had some fun with that on the radio with guys <laughs> leaving leaving a part of their uh uniform on the fifty yard line after they got juked. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um so it'll be fun to see, you know, and again hopefully the you know, you think about the last power five team believed to come to Wall Stadium was was Mich- was Michigan State mm-hmm. in two thousand fifteen. Right. Had you know thirty one thousand or whatever capacity fit back then, um, so you would hope, hopefully another nice night because I know there's some really cool pictures of that Michigan State Western game at sun you know at sunset with some pretty cool photos. So hopefully we'll get another crowd like that against Pittsburgh and um, you know again I, I don't know if they're preseason ACC pick this year. I, I'm trying to remember if they were. Um, I know they're the top of that that group. Obviously you know Clemson and in, in the different division stuff. So it's Virginia Tech Pitt. Um, you know, BC, those teams. But, um, you know, I would think Waldo Stadium. Again, that's Bartholomew. You talked about Dan doing a lot of things and getting ready people to get on campus. And, you know, it's not Labor Day weekend where nobody's, you know, do, people are doing their own thing. So maybe that's a good thing. They're not hoping over Labor Day weekend. Then that's another week to, uh, you know, to go on the road to play Ball State. So you bring them back in September 17th and hopefully, uh, you know, obviously all the students are back in and uh, people are kind of settled in after vacations and kids are in school and stuff like that. So hopefully it'll be a good, good crowd on, at Walter stadium. It's kind of like, it's a, like a nice tease. It's like, I've, I've said it before, like we got to wait a little bit, but it's, it's well worth the wait. Um, you know, we're kind of going through some changes, obviously Dan Bartholomew coming in, uh, taking over the athletics program. Um, 
on top of that, uh, Robin Hook kind of retiring from his day to day nine to five job. Um, nine to five? You don't know, Robin. <laughs> I say eight to five. I mean, I say yeah. I work eight hours a day too, but yeah. what is it like to work with somebody like Robin? It's awesome. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to talk about how Jim does a great job too. Um, but uh, Thank you. yeah, Robin is the, the crazy thing is, Robin asked me to go in the booth with them. Um, this will be my 11th year doing it. And my first game with him was at University of Illinois. And we're taking the bus trip over the team. And I got all my notes, and I'm kind of catching up on things. And, you know, he, he's, he's next to me. And I said, you know, what are we going to do before the game? He goes, we're just going to talk football. We're just going to go. You, you talk about what you see, and I'll talk about what I see. And, and Robin and Jim knows this. Robin has two rules. He says, don't ever talk when I'm talking. <laughs> and don't, don't ever break rule number one. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, but it's fun. He just, it's amazing when I got up with him in, in the booth with him. And Jim will appreciate this. I'm looking for a spotter, for a producer, for a director, for an engineer, Nothing. you know, all the stuff that goes on with, you know, and, and we're sitting next to Illinois or when we go to Spartan Stadium, we'll be next to George Blaha and their group. They've got five guys. In that in their booth in their in their radio booth, you know, one guy's obviously in George Blaha and in their in their color analyst, but they've got three guys running the board, picking up um, you know highlights to run in between coming out of commercials and stuff like that. So Robin not only calls the game or talks about the game, but does does all the highlights, sends it back to Jim all the time. Jim does a great job, obviously, in the studio doing doing the commercials. But the fun thing about Jim is. Is I always wait for his, you know, his uh, checking into different games and, and Mac games, and he comes up with you know different scores on different games, and I just like how he leads into you know into Robin, and they they work so well together, kind of knowing what. So what happens is, and people don't hear this, is when we go to commercial. So obviously people on the radio heard of the commercial. So Robin and Jim are talking to each other mm-hmm. through through the headsets like we are right now, and so Robin will tell Jim, hey, you've got sixty seconds. Um, you know, run run a score update, or you know, talk about upcoming games or whatever. So, so he kind of gives them the time frame, and obviously, you guys appreciate it too. Being in radio, is everything is on the clock. I mean, mm-hmm, you know, you right. got to take your breaks on the hour. You got to do you know all that type of stuff. So, and then Jim will talk to Robin, and sometimes I can hear Jim, sometimes I can't, and it's it's fun to you know to go back and forth during you know during the breaks and stuff. I always have to remember the mots the 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 mic is hot all the time, yeah. so I have yeah. to remember. Yeah. So when we go to commercial, I always take my headset off, put my you know, microphone away from me, so if I want to say something about you know a play that happened or you know something you didn't on, like, something I didn't like that was going on, I have to remember to a little disparaging. To do that. Yeah, yeah. So or if something happens during a game, I can remember to you know. Hold on to my mic if I need to say something to Robin. So, and then we'll talk about it after over beer. That's how that. Yeah, works. right. Exactly. Exactly. That's how the post game. But Robin, thirty-eight years. Yeah. Um, my first game at Western Michigan when I was I was a kicker at Western Michigan from eighty-four to eighty-eight. My first game in the fall of eighty-four was Robin's first game on the air. Wow. That's crazy. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So I always give him a hard time about how old he is. You know that. It was I, almost I was like playing. destiny that you two. Yeah, we're together. back together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've got my own little story too because I was producer when uh, Tim Lester was quarterback, and I'm producer and studio host as a coach. There yeah, you go. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. So circling the wagons. Yeah. Today. Yeah. But uh, so Monty Porter was a color, color analyst 
for oh. quite a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Who I I had didn't know about, and then yeah. I met him at the the banquet. Yeah, for, yeah. Money, yeah. Money is money. He's yeah. A yeah. He's a yeah, yeah, yeah. He was fun. He was fun. He definitely spoke his mind, so which is good. So um, you know, when I started with Robin. Um, you know, Monty would come in the booth and check things and, you know, make sure everything was going okay. And he'd look at me writing notes down. He goes, Creek, what are you doing there? He's just talking about the game. You don't worry about that stuff. So, but, but going back to while Robin, so Robin's amazing where we're in the third quarter and he'll talk about a scoring play in the first quarter that happened. And I'm looking around, he's, he's got, got no, no notes. notes. It's just, he's got a, he's got a game sheet in front of him, but it's like, it's, it's amazing that he pulls things up and he's got his, um, and Jim appreciate this. He off to the side. He's got all his commercial breaks and what he's doing, and you know if it's if it's Meyer, if it's financial services or whatever, he's running all that stuff. So he just got a pen and he kind of crosses things off as he go down the game, and um, you know, so it's kind of cool when I get when we get to a game. It's kind of neat how this. So we get to a game, we get to the booth. He sets everything up. I mean, he's got to you know set all the all the equipment up and everything, and I'm just kind of looking at him going. Make sure my headset fits, and that's about all I'm doing because I don't, you know, I, I just don't have that experience and everything. But a lot of people don't realize that, like for instance, I kind of bring George Blaha up again. Yeah. George just comes in, does the game and leaves. Yeah, comes in probably. He doesn't even do the pregame anymore. He probably I think. comes in like yeah, ten minutes yeah, before. Yeah, about fifteen twenty minutes before kickoff, comes in, sits down, and again, he's phenomenal. He's the voice, so yeah. he's got it. But Robin just behind the scenes does so much stuff, you know, checks in with Jimmy, make sure we're, yep. you know, on the air, everything sounds good, do a little sound check. Um, yeah, he, he always commandeers my studio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I always over. hear him do yeah, the checks and right, everything. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, and then we do the pre, you know, the, the pregame's an hour long. Yeah. So he, 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 he tapes a lot of that stuff during the week, so he'll do his, his interviews and stuff like that. And then we'll just kind of talk in between. So there's really no script. You know, people talk about a script. No. There's just no script because no. again everything can change so fast, especially when the game's going on. You can plan for, you know, for a for a game that's going to be you know, 50, 60, 70 passes a game. All of a sudden, you know, they're backing it up and they're running the ball all the time. So you know, you got to talk about offensive line play. You got to talk about schemes. You got to talk about gap protection. You know, so it's just you really have to kind of cover all the bases. And and watching for me, watching video and film, it's so available now with ESPN three and ESPN plus. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun to watch that. And a lot of times, I'll try to watch some type of end zone camera view. Sometimes, um, sometimes we'll get assistant coaches will let us peek at the on the bus on the way home. <laughs> we'll watch we'll watch things that because they're, they're they're breaking down film for Sunday's meeting. Yeah. For, so a lot of grad assistants are breaking film down for the position coaches. To go in and say, okay, here's what we, you know, what we saw in third and ten, you know, from the right hash. This is kind of what they did. So, um, but yeah, Robin has been. I mean, you talk about the epitome of a professional. And again, the crazy thing is, some weekends he does hockey, or some weekends well, that, he does men's basketball. That was the thing right? I was going to bring up. Yeah. He's just he can do everything. And Jim and I, I, I mean, we love Bronco football, but Jim and I are obsessed with Bronco hockey, and. Yeah. I've always been a big hockey fan. Dan Rusinowski is the play-by-play voice on the radio for the San Jose Sharks. And being that you got to pay extra for the games and stuff, I always just grew up listening to it on the radio. So I love a great hockey announcer. And one of the things that I notice about um, Robin is that he's just this, all just even-keeled. He does that little excitement when you need it. But it was like when we were in that overtime game in the first round of the, the tournament for hockey, we're all here freaking out, and it's like Robin just keeps us all 
it's okay. It's going to be all right. Right, right. Well, you can, I always say you can't tell what the score is when you turn the radio on, whether it's football, basketball, you know, uh, hockey. He just calls the game, right? And that's kind of the epitome of a play-by-play person. Just call the game. Right, right. And I think sometimes yeah. guys, and I don't know if it's a younger generation, wants to be more than the game. You know, it's like you're part you're, of the game. Yes. I mean, you talk about, you know, obviously Vin Scully, one of the best, maybe the best of all time, mm-hmm. passed away recently. Oh, and you yes. talk about how he wanted to be, you know, you listen to this Hank Aaron 715th home run call or some of the calls that these guys make. A lot of times it's when they're not talking is the biggest thing, right? It's the let the fans do it, let, especially if it's on TV. Obviously, radio, you're trying to give a description of it. But if it's a TV situation, kind of let it play out and let mm-hmm. them, you know, watch what's going on and then comment, you know, on, on afterwards what's going on. So, um, but Robin, again, he'll do, he could do a, he's done football, went over to Lawson and, and done hockey in the same night. And hockey, you talk about just having to – because they're changing so much. And in football, when they change, you see them coming on and off. You've got the you've got a huddle or some some sort of a huddle with hockey. It's on the fly. I mean, you yeah. might and you might not have any break you, for unless unless I mean there, there's some there's some t, some TV timeouts, but they got to have puck goes up in the you know something or you know they get a penalty, penalty or, whatever or something the like that to stop the play. Yeah, um, you may go but, ten minutes without a stoppage. Oh, he's phenomenal. And Alex Goodman's a great color analyst. He's brought him on board the last couple of years, and he's got that Gaylord. He's got a little Canadian thing going there with the A's <laughs> the and, the, and the, yeah, boot. yeah, and the boots and stuff like that. So Alex been a real fun addition, I think, with Robin on hockey too. Oh, that's a good. Let's go back to uh, I think it's 2017, if I recall correctly, the eight overtime game. Oh my gosh! Against Akron at Waldo, correct? No, was it, this was this was at Buffalo. Oh, at Buffalo. Okay. At okay. Buffalo. See, I, yeah, I, I totally, I totally yeah. lost where I was at. Well, exactly. Yeah. Then again, look at the week I've had. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we're eight overtimes and we're rolling along. I'm sitting here. These guys are just plugging along nonstop, and I'm not paying attention to the automation, which uh, has a countdown clock. If I don't stop it. After 59 minutes, 59 seconds of silence, it will fire the next event. So they're going on. We're, we're like seventh. I think we're like seventh overtime at that point in time. Suddenly, commercial starts playing, you know, because I've got it potted up. Like, like huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my. And, and so, and when we finally went to break, I, I told these guys, you over an hour, nonstop football. No break, no nothing. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. That was seventy-one sixty-eight uh, at Buffalo. The Broncos oh won, and that gosh. was Donnie Ernstberger's Donnie Ernstberger's uh, yeah. sister famously got on ESPN. So Donnie scored a touchdown in the second overtime, I believe, and apparently she thought that was a game winner. <laughs> so she came on the field, gave Donnie a big hug in the end zone, and. It was funny because we were Robin and I, where our booth was at at, uh, at Buffalo, we were probably at the twenty yard line on the opposite side of the field, and all of a sudden I I see this person coming on the field, and I'm look at, and all of a sudden on our monitor shows her walking off the field, being escorted <laughs> to the uh, to the lot to the uh, to the parking lot basically, and grabbing the keys from her mom and walking out. So yeah, that was quite a that was a that was a crazy game. I think Jarvion Franklin scored a winning touchdown. I think that I think it was sixty eight sixty five. Seventh overtime, we Just had the ball. Race. Yeah, we had the ball last or, or, or a second in that in that overtime sequence, and Jarvion scored. I think from like twenty yards out, and 
Broncos won 71-68. So, again, change the overtime rules. Probably won't have that type of overtime again. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun day at the, at, for the Broncos. Now that I think we've effectively exhausted football. <laughs> um, well, we, we do want to talk a little bit of Lions to get his input. But, yeah. We'll do that in a second. We'll do that in yeah. a second. Okay. While we're on the subject of the Broncos, you're a kicker, obviously. Yeah. Uh, your son, from what I understand, played soccer. Um have you seen much from this program this off season? Any you know insights you can give us? Anything like that? Yeah, the men's soccer team's doing well. I mean, they um, they actually had two exhibition games. Um, they played Cleveland State, won five zero, and then played Xavier down in Cincinnati and won two to one. So they they open up. They've got an interesting schedule with only. Five teams in the Mid American Conference in men's soccer. So women's soccer sponsors twelve. Men's it's Akron, Bowling Green, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, and then Chicago State actually has joined the MAC this year for men's soccer. So interesting. Yeah. So they do they do basically home and away for their conference games, but that leaves them about nine or ten non conference games. So they play Michigan State this. I believe, I believe they're at Butler this week. Um, they play Michigan State, they play Northwestern, they play Wisconsin. So wow. a lot of Big Ten, Big East, more Midwest Big East teams. Yeah. So Xavier, Butler, uh-huh. you know, those type of schools, Marquette. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they, they uh, you know, it should be a good season for the, for the, for the men's soccer team. And, and the women's soccer team's got a new coach um, this year. So I know they've played, they've started about a week, week earlier. So they played Notre Dame. Um, again, but they their conference schedule starts so soon or much sooner because they play twelve. They play eleven conference games, so they they start their conference schedule probably the middle of September, coming okay. up. So yeah, so men's soccer should uh, should be pretty good this fall. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I mean we talked pre-show. Yeah. You haven't watched a whole lot of Lions lately. I, yeah, I'll be honest. I've just not followed him much. In fact, I, it was funny because I said the one guy that I know on the team, Ryan Siebert, is a place kicker. So that tells you how much I pay attention. <laughs> if, if I want to name somebody, yeah, yeah. So he was a stud at Oklahoma and, uh, you know, obviously with Prater being a big part of what they did. I mean, it's funny. You look back at the Lions, the history. I believe, you know, you go back to like Earl Mann, yeah. Eddie Murray. Mm-hmm. Jason Hansen. I mean, for like four four decades, they had just three kickers. And then, I mean, Prater. And Prater was there for a long time too. Yeah. yeah. So really, that position has been, and 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 they've needed them because they, yeah. for some reason, they just can't put the ball in the end zone a lot of times. So <laughs> I like but, this guy. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the I think they're the new head coach. I, I dynamic wise, I think he's right there. You just got to get the roster. Well, and you gotta to, have the dudes. Yeah, you know? that's the biggest thing for me. Is like everybody, including Jim and Carolyn Binder, are drinking the Kool Aid, and it's like you know a lot of what they did is awesome, but it looks awesome on paper. And all I have is fifty plus years of bad football to go <laughs> off of. Right. Um, you know, guys like Jamison Williams not going to start the year. What is Aiden Hutchinson going to look like? You just they're kind of devoid of talent at this point. Yeah, um, I, yep. I I think Hutchinson is, you know, he's a, he's a dude. I mean, he's an NFL mm-hmm. guy. He's proven that in the preseason. Again, he's the the times he's played, he's maybe not gone up against a number one offensive lineman too, because a lot of those guys aren't playing much in the preseason. Um, well, one thing that know, scares me is he looked really good against the Big Ten and everybody else last year, and then when he went against the big boys, he looked pretty average. Right, right. SEC guys, the guys, that guys he's going to be playing against in the NFL eventually. So that's what um, scares me. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I think his mentality. I like what he does. How he prepares himself. I mean, he reminds you a little bit of um, 
uh, who's a defensive end from Wisconsin that was JJ JJ and TJ yeah. right the Watt guys right I mean mm-hmm. he kind of he kind of prepares himself like that yeah so you know it, it, but again you gotta have you gotta have the talent you gotta have yeah. you know to be able to get around those guys and stuff so um, but again I I think the the culture so this is what we talk about you know Jim and I and you know you know about this too being around sports all your life the culture of the team is is the most important thing you got to have really good players but if you don't have culture your locker room you know, I go back to when, when P.J. Fleck came in. Whether yeah. you liked P.J. or didn't like P.J. He was a locker room guy. He was a locker room guy. The culture, the guy, the kids bought in Roll the to boat. what he was selling, and, you know, the guys played for him. And he turned it around, you know, and went 1-11, probably the worst team in, in, in college football. And all of a sudden, they're 8-5, 8-5, 13-1. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, that's because the guys believe in what they're doing. You know, so I think the Lions – just haven't had that for whatever reason. You know, I think Caldwell, that, that was a one where you look back at that that coaching change. And you like, might have done that differently. Man, what? And again. Well, and like at the time, I agreed with it because yeah. what it, it sent a strong message from upper management and ownership who have, no offense, been kind of poor at decision making. They basically said, great, what we did was awesome. It's not good enough. But then obviously we would completely the opposite direction. Right. Um, but I'm I'm glad you brought up the culture because that is the biggest thing with the Lions. Um, you know, I think the culture was very toxic under Quintricia. Um so yeah, I just I I guess my question is like, are you a big NFL guy or like is it the the ineptitude and the bad football that has kept you from watching? Because that's that's where I'm at. Is like I'll talk about him all day long on this podcast with Jim, and I'll follow it. I haven't watched a game in four or five years. I call it Lions Free until they start winning. I'm not gonna watch. Yeah, I I I mean I turn it on. I I like. It's always interesting to see number one who's there, right? Mm-hmm. What what they're doing with Ford Field? Are they getting people in the stands? And I know it always starts out fairly well because everybody's excited about the season then you look in November and December and it's yeah it's it's a nosedive it's plenty of plenty of seats available but um I always like watching to see guys that I saw in college yes a lot of times I'll watch NFL games to see teams maybe that Western had played or Big Ten guys from Michigan Michigan State you know that that I saw play um you know obviously watching the Chiefs this year with Sky Moore and watching the Steelers and watching the if the Raiders where Darius is at, yeah. Seahawks with D. Um, that's kind of where my, you know, because, you know, being gone all day on Saturday or home game being, you know, working football all day, a lot of times Sunday is kind of my day off to, to rest up or to do stuff around the house or whatever I, you know, I didn't do on Saturday. So, um, but I still like it. I like, it's amazing how good these guys are. That That's what people don't realize. Even the Lions with not very good players, they're still the best. Yeah. Right? They're still the best players, you know, at, at what they're at their craft and what they're doing. So that's kind of fun to watch those guys. So sometimes I'll pick out a position. Like like when I'm watching a game, when I'm doing a game with Robin, I'll sometimes we'll just watch offensive line play to see, you know, what what uh, you know, what Jacob Gideon's doing on a play or what Deathridge is doing on a play. Sometimes in the NFL, the same type of thing where I'll watch Hutchinson or some of the guys, instead of watching the quarterback, running back, where everybody's watching, yeah. I'll look. We call it off the ball stuff. You know what's happening. You know, and again, sometimes on TV you only get so much of a screen to watch. Yep. So it's basically that you know twenty yard, thirty yard area you can watch. But um, even sometimes receivers, like I'll watch guys get off the ball. Yep. You know when they're 
when they're being jammed or somebody or somebody's on press coverage and, and kind of find out, see, see what they can do getting off. And that's, you know, go back to Sky. That's why Sky is going to be really good in the NFL. And that's what they found out right away is he gets away from those type of things. Now, now there's guys that are going to be locked down corners he's going to have to struggle with, but that's because he's, you know, being a rookie. But that's what I watch. I watch guys that can kind of move and dictate the pace and what's going on. And then it's fun watching coaching, right, yeah. is, is what happens in certain situations, game, you know, clock management. Yep. You know, that's kind of fun to watch. The NFL – it starts so much later because the clock runs so much in the NFL compared to college. You know, when they go out of bounds, the clock's still running in, in, in the NFL, where college, I believe it's, you know, stops four minutes or whatever the last four minutes of the game, it stops more than the NFL game. So, yeah. Um, so it, I, I kind of watch the strategy part of it too, I guess. Yeah, clock management is really kind of what did Caldwell in. You know, 12 guys on the field, right. a, a lot of his last minute decision making. So, yeah, I, I I agree with you there. That's going to be a lot of my watching this year, especially in highlights with the Lions, is the off-the-ball stuff. How are the coachings, coaches doing? Are they making good decisions? It's going to be that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I'm all out of questions. You got anything else? I, I, I'm I'm good. You know, I think he, he covers everything so well. That's why I wanted him in here. You know? <laughs> Again, yeah. no script. We we're, right. we we yeah. are a show that we hit record and we just go. Yeah. No, it's fun. It's again working with Robin and Jimmy on on Saturdays <clears throat> and Fridays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, whatever days the Broncos <laughs> have to be playing. It's, Action. It's, yeah, it's been a joy. So hopefully. You know, I, I think uh, you know Michigan State game will show a lot about. And again, you got the you got the good storylines in the Michigan State game, right? So you got Jeff Thorne, offensive coordinator, Peyton Thorne, his son, quarterback yeah. at Michigan State, who was who was Michigan Western Michigan's top recruit, had committed and then flipped on the last day of, of recruiting that year. And then Jaden Reed, obviously, um, you know, wide receiver, had four touchdown passes against Ball State his freshman year. Was freshman of the year, you know, uh, all all Mac his freshman year going to be, you know, those two guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, so some good storylines with the Western Michigan and, and Michigan State connections. Right. Um, how do you see that game playing out? And But then I, I want to go further with it. I also want to see how you how you feel right now, the way the Broncos look, how they're going to do in the conference, and who do you think is probably going to walk away with it? I, you know, I think the, the the Michigan State game is it's hard to tell that first game of the season, right? You just never know. Which you, you beat up each other during training camp. You're you know you haven't won against anybody for a month. It's not like they get an NFL situation where you play one, two, three exhibition games. So it's kind of um, you know learn under fire. And again, with a new quarterback, younger offensive line, that's probably going to be the big key. Is and again, Michigan State's going to be licking their chops, right? Their front seven. I, I got to believe their defensive coordinator is going to. And rightfully so. Hone in you know, when on you see, that. Yeah, when you see a young quarterback, you're going to do that. So um, running game's going to have to be really good. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to put Jack in some good situations where he doesn't have to thread the needle to, you know, to Corey Crooms on a lot of plays, you know, maybe some screen passes, some misdirection type things that they that they can do. Um, and on defense, you know, don't give up big plays. You know, keep Jaden and those that wide receiver core in front of you and make them drive the ball down the field, make them earn it. Um, and then come up with some turnovers. You know, that's I think that's any time you play a power five team. You know, you look at Pittsburgh, that was kind of how, you know, just keep up. You know, don't fall behind, don't fall too far behind because then you let them dictate. Then you got to take some chances on offense and you let their, you know, their playmakers do do some things. So, and again, special teams has always been really good against Michigan State. You think about all the things that Darius has done and in, in the past. So, I, Sean Tyler actually returned a kickoff. Yep. 
in the bowl game at Ford Field. He and, did. And so I think Sean, you know, fastest guy or one of the fastest guys on the team, he might be a key not only in the running game, but look for maybe some special teams, you know, situations out of him. And then going to the Mac, you know, the Mac West, uh, what, what a gauntlet. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's good. I've been doing a lot. This will be my 11th year. I can't remember from top to bottom, everybody having a chance to win the league. You know, I think Eastern and Ball State might have got picked towards the bottom, but, you know, Creighton's done a great job at Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, Ball State's going to be tough on the road, obviously. Um, so, you know, I I would say, you know, you got to pick Northern, and def, you know, with, with all the guys back too. Yeah. You know, we've got to be, you know, the defending with the Lombardi as a quarterback, fits that system perfect. You know, don't ask him to do too much on the outside, run the ball a little bit, you know, kind of a game management guy. Um, you know, Toledo's got, you know, like I said, I think they have the, one of the better athletes in, in the league. Um, Central's, you know, Central, McElwain's done a phenomenal job up there. What, you know, you talk about a coach that's coming in and doing some really cool things up yeah. there and, 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 you know, lives on a farm, on a big farm, I think, in Mount Pleasant, has a team over for quite a few events, bought into the Central Michigan, you know, being kind of the face of that program and, and that university, really. Um, so, and overall, I mean, Miami, you know, I think we go to Oxford, yeah, um, which is a tough road trip. Um, I believe we play Ohio at home. Mm-hmm. And then uh, who's our third West game? Uh, I know we got the home schedule up here in the booth, but um, I don't know if we go to Akron this year, maybe. I'm trying to think our third. I think or we B- do go maybe to Maybe BG. No, we go to BG. BG, gotcha. BG is our third one. So not tough teams in that in that division Miami I think is probably the best out of those three yeah um but again you know you hopefully we get through the west part and and, and make it a make it a run but you know I, hopefully that northern Illinois game and Toledo game the last two you know if we're where we're sitting at maybe one loss by then in the Mac to, to still be able to make those games mean something and try to get to the uh, Mac championship game at Ford Field well, yeah, in everyone's projections, you look up and down social media at, at um, all the uh, projections out there, and they have uh, the Broncos anywhere from fourth in the com- in the uh, division to tied for first, winning on the tiebreaker. You know, it's, it's like flip a coin. You're right. You, you just don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's inter- again, it's you know, you, uh, you guys hit the nail on the head. It's going to go back to quarterback play. You know, can Jack jump into things fairly quick? Get comfortable? Um, you know. Obviously, Tim and Jeff Thorne aren't going to ask him to do a ton at the beginning, but just, you know, don't make too many mistakes. Keep the guys in the game. And really, it's hard to say this in the Mid-American Conference team, but the defense is probably going to be a big part of it this year yeah. to, to to get some turnovers or put, to put the offense in some good situations so the offense doesn't have to drive 75, 85, 90 yards on every possession. they got some short fields to work with, um, take some pressure off those guys. Yeah, I, th- I, I really do think quarterback play is a really – Going to help separate some teams from others, especially in the West. But, uh, yeah, I want to thank you for coming in. I uh, just realized we made it through this whole podcast without mentioning our sponsor. Whoa, and 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 we didn't fight either. That's a first. <laughs> that is a first. Good. You guys are nice to each other. I appreciate that. This is rare. This is very rare. <laughs> want to thank uh, Zemlick. Check them out, zemlick.com. They also have their brick-and-mortar location, Office Stadium Drive in Ashtamo Township. They've got daily specials, free offers, school's almost back. Uh, maybe you work at home, maybe you work in an office, you're an office manager, big or small, medium, doesn't matter. Check them out, zemlick.com. And uh, thanks again for coming in, John Creek. Great to be with you guys. That was fun. Get ready for some WMU football. That's right. Go Broncos.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bronco Nation podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode.